Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about things that 401k plan sponsors don't do, but need to do anyway. And of course, first things first, that 401ksite.com for further information on all live events. Tuesday, May the 10th, Phoenix, Arizona, Chase Field, book it. Uh, we got a great events, great providers, uh, 100 bucks, sign up, get lunch, a uh, whole bunch of stuff, meet and greet with a Diamondback star. We had to reschedule the guest. We'll probably by next week have the announcement. Big, big guest. Uh, Larry really delivered. And uh, that night we got a game uh, where the Marlins play the Diamondbacks. June 24th we will be at Lone Depot Park, Miami, Florida. Uh, that will also be uh, a game that night, Marlins against the Mets, uh, great events. And then uh, soon we'll have a September date, as well as more mentions of October and whatnot. So uh, hope you uh, sign up, 100 bucks, lunch, five hours of content, hopefully a stadium tour, meet and greet with a, a, a great uh, whatever the team is. And uh, if it's baseball season, we'll try to get a couple tickets for those who want to attend. And uh, again, go to that forwardkeysite.com for further information. Uh, and as far as this week's topic, one of my favorite film series is Dirty Harry. Um, I enjoy all the films, some more than others. Uh, I, I like The Enforcer and Magnum Force better than the original. Uh, the Enforcer is just very, very politically incorrect. Magnum Force as well. Uh, Sudden Impact's pretty good. Is they, you know, they have that whole famous scene where, uh, do you feel lucky, punk? Well, no, no I'm sorry. Uh, that was the first one. Uh, 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 the uh, scene, uh, uh, what you call it, in Sudden Impact where he's at the, um, he is at the luncheonette and, uh, you know, go ahead, make my day. That's that's the line. Uh, I don't know why I forgot that. But, yeah, go ahead, make my day. That's from uh, Sudden Impact. The Deadpool, kind of a weaker. That was the last movie. Liam Neeson has a bit part in it. So does Jim Carrey. Um, Guns N' Roses, kind of a weak movie. Still all good stuff. But in Magnum Force, which is the second movie, Dirty Harry has Lieutenant Briggs, who he's not a big fan of. Lieutenant Briggs is played by Hal... Um, I see, I'm forgetting about names already, but uh, Hal, uh, what's it called? Uh, Dixie Carter's husband. Uh, Hal Holbrook. And um, Hal Holbrook plays Lieutenant Briggs, who's a, supposedly a, a you know by-the-book lieutenant. And Briggs says uh, uh, to Dirty Harry that in all his years in the force, he never had to draw his gun out of his holster once. So Dirty Harry tells him, well, you're a good man, Lieutenant. A good man always knows his limitations, which was the big line in the movie. Uh, at the end of the movie, he also says a, a man's got to know his limitations. But a 401k plan sponsor has a lot of limitations. And the problem is there are certain things they don't do, but they have to really do anyway. Kind of a nice line from the uh, Aerosmith song, uh, Just Push Play. But uh, this article is all about things that for one, this podcast is all about things that 401k plan sponsors may not do, but they have to do anyway. Number one, obviously the biggest mistake that 401k plan sponsors do, and they do it often, making sure salary deferral deposits are made on time. 
Um, again, over the past 10 years or so, uh, maybe even more, the Department of Labor has ratcheted up uh, the enforcement of the deposit rule. Um, 401k plan sponsors and providers like me and maybe you, we were led to believe that as long as the deposits were made by the 15th day of the following month, plan sponsors are okay. Department of Labor changed their interpretation and said it has to be in as soon as possible. And it could be as little as three business days, especially, you know, you have to understand when I started the time plan business, uh, it, you know, solid deposits weren't done through ACH. They were done by check. You know, the uh, uh, plan sponsor would write a check to the custodian, whatnot, and send it to the TPA. And even when ACH was available, I actually had a boss who liked the check sent to him, I, which I, I still don't understand why. But uh, that TPA is no longer in business, so I, I wouldn't know what they do now. Um, it's, it's an amazing mistake because it's so frequent. Um, uh, I always contend that plan sponsors never are late once they're late multiple times. Uh, these errors are just a pain in the rear end. Uh, I've gone through a lot of department of labor audits with this, uh, as solely being the only issue. And the reason is, is because a plan sponsor has to respond on the 5,500, whether they were late or not. And so if they were late, Repeatedly, if they were late once, whatnot, and Department of Labor doesn't have a copy of a VFCP application, that could give the opportunity for the Department of Labor to audit the plan. Uh, that's a trigger. Next, uh, making sure the plan compensation definition is correct. Um, happens quite a bit. Um, I want to say next to the positive salad deferrals, that's the biggest error out there. And... You know, a plan sponsor may have their idea of what they think compensation is for plan purposes, and the plan document may say something else. Always deals with bonuses a lot of times, and sometimes uh, moving expenses. If we're dealing with a car dealership, car reimbursement, um, they think they're not supposed to uh, match or give a contribution or allow deferrals from a certain piece of compensation, or it's the opposite. But it's a it's a headache which may require additional employer contributions, including missed deferral opportunities. You say, you know, uh, plain document says they're going to, you know, allow deferrals on bonus. Don't allow it. That's a problem. Uh, if the plain document says something else. And these are mistakes that happen quite often. Uh, just yesterday, I got a call from an advisor about, uh, about this deal, obviously dealing with the bonus. And it, it's, 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 a, it's a mess. And, uh, you know, it, plan sponsors don't check the definition of plan compensation. Uh, you know, they have a copy of the plan document most of the time. They don't read it. Uh, and they don't, you know, decide that, you know, maybe we should check what they're doing. Does it really um, conform to what we're doing? They just don't really do that. Next on the hit list, keeping good records and signed plan documents. My wife loves jigsaw puzzles and I hate them. Um, she'll take out a table, thousand piece puzzle, and she says it's good to, to thwart off dementia. Um, I read books. Um, that's my, you know, keep the brain active. That's my way of, you know, going through Wikipedia and reading articles and, you know, trying to learn things and whatnot. Um, you know, trying to ward off dementia. Um, it's an important thing. You know, I still can't believe I just forgot Hal Holbrook's name, but I, I, you know, I have so much information in my brain. The names are the only things these days that I'm forgetting. Like it's, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I know who it was. It's Hal Holbrook. And at least I got it, but 
the problem when it comes to jigsaw puzzles are missing pieces. And quite honestly, a lot of plan sponsors have missing records where they don't have copies of required plan amendments. They don't uh, have, um, you know, a plan amendment that was required. So obviously it's important to uh, for the plan sponsor to keep good records, have copies of all the plan restatements and amendments, because the IRS has that belief that if you don't have it, you didn't do it. And that's a problem on an audit. Where there needs to be a required restatement, they don't know anything about it. And uh, that could really put the plan on a big collision course for heavy fines or plain disqualification if the plan is ever audited. So, you know, um, if there are pl missing plan amendments and restatements and they can't be located, a VCP application is the way to go. Uh, next on the hit list, uh, you know, things that 401k plan, uh, plan sponsors don't do but need to do anyway. Reviewing fees and benchmarking them. I've been in this retirement plan business. Next year will be 25 years. Uh, you know, and it really was odd at the beginning for the, about the first 14 years of it uh, that, you know, plan sponsors had a fiduciary duty to pay only reasonable plan expenses, yet they had no idea how much they were being charged. And, you know, TPAs would get revenue sharing payments and you know, there were, there, there were, I know I worked for one that didn't disclose revenue sharing that they were receiving and, you know, they weren't disclosing to the, uh, plan sponsors and, uh, you know, revenue sharing is supposed to defray plan expenses and that, you know, I, revenue sharing went out, uh, went out like leisure suits and, 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 and records and now records are coming back, but they went the way when fee disclosure regulations in 2012 came into play. Started, you started to see revenue sharing kind of disappear. It still exists on a very, very limited basis, but those days uh, are over. And, you know, prior to 2012, plan sponsors were told, well, you know, if you have index funds, it's going to be more expensive. That's nonsense because they never factored in uh, fund expenses. Revenue sharing paying funds pay, uh, you know, pay more than obviously index funds, and they can because they charge more in terms of investment management expenses. The problem with fee disclosure is obviously plan sponsors now know how much they're being charged, and unfortunately, so many of them absolutely did nothing, and they still to this day have done nothing. They take that, you know, fee disclosure form, they put it in the back of their drawer and never look at it. And, uh, you know, I always say it's it's like the bank's privacy statement. You know, they throw that in the garbage, and that's the end of it. Um, too often plan sponsors just don't bother to review, um, their funds, uh, I'm saying their plan expenses. They don't, you know, try to benchmark them, see what other similar providers are charging. Um, you know, and I always bring up the story on my house, you know, if I overpaid a contractor that was on me. Plan sponsors don't have that. When you're a plan fiduciary, you have to have the highest duty of loyalty, uh, highest duty of care and, and law and equity. And, uh, what you do with your money is your business, but what you do with someone else's money is their business. You have to have a higher duty of care, and so therefore you have to do it. Uh, you know, again, I hire a contractor. They overcharge us. It's on me. I'm a plan sponsor. Uh, plan providers are overcharging me, and my plan participants, that is something that, you know, could result in, in personal liability in terms of litigation and whatnot. It's a, it's, it's a big hot mess. Uh Next, providing clear communication to participants. Uh, 
it always bothers me to this day. I, I think when I first started working for law firms, so uh, the story goes, uh, I, I was uh, Boston University School of Law, and they had a, it was afternoon classes, so you know it was pretty much for you know attorneys who might want to go back to school, and so therefore the courses were at night. So from the morning to like four or five o'clock, I had you know studies and whatnot, but instead I decided to work for a Boston law firm. Uh, pretty well known. Well, they were a 25, 30 attorney firm at that point. Um, and uh, they hired me as a law clerk. And when you're making 22 bucks an hour in 1998, um, that was a lot of money, in my my opinion, to, to have and to have as spending money. It, it kind of fell in my lap, that job. And um, I kind of learned, you know, when you're a lawyer, when you go to law school, you're taught as, as how things should be operating, professionalism, and this, this, and that. And working for a law firm where it was kind of split between the real estate practice and litigation practice, and they would fight with each other. These are partners of the law firm fighting with each other. It, it, it's kind of a sobering thought. And I'm a big fan of, you know, telling it like it is. Uh, that annoys people, you know. Um, it is what it is, but. I don't like telling people lies and lies and lies. And uh, there was a paralegal working at the firm and she got her annual review and she was told how great she was. And within weeks she got fired. It really upset uh, a lot of the paralegals, you know, the two that were left, it, you know, kind of really just, it's kind of sobering. And, you know, I, I didn't pursue employment there after I graduated. Not, you know, not that they would have hired me, uh, they were hiring somebody um, they wanted to hire a female associate attorney to increase diversity um, and I don't think she lasted a year but uh, I, I just won't forget that I, I, I don't know why that stands out you know she she was inept and they told her how great she was and then they fired her why don't you just tell people that they're inept it goes a long way um, so, you know, that, that, that showed me, uh, you know, that plan uh, that shows me that employers can have pretty poor communication. And unfortunately I worked with companies that had pretty poor communication. That's why I went on my own. So at least I can tell myself what to do and, uh, you know, 401k plan issues, you know, I don't need to, you know, send out a notice. I could handle it myself. The problem with plan sponsors that, you know, have actual employees is the required notices under ERISA. Uh, SPDs, safe harbor notices, investment fund changes. And you will be amazed at how many plan sponsors out there will flout their requirements. Uh, they aren't very good at conducting, you know, participant meetings, plan education meetings and whatnot. And, you know, plan sponsors could be on the hook for liability when it comes to participant directed accounts, when, uh, you know, plan sponsors, um, you know, fail to provide enough information and education to plan participants. And the plan participants sustain losses on you know self-directed investments. Uh, it's important for plan sponsors to you know hand out timely notices, hand out, uh, have timely enrollment in plan education meetings, and uh, you know can't let it go. Uh, next, letting um, plan providers do their job. Uh, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Rich Cole. I always feel like sometimes I stay, stole his act. Rich Cole was very opinionated. Uh, I just moderated his opinions and implemented that to business. 
but when he got elected to back to student government after a, a short little uh, sabbatical, he said that he was the stick in the wheels of corruption. And I love that line. I still use it to this day. You know, I've stick in the wheels of hypocrisy. I think I've used that line. Um, as an ERISA attorney, um, dealing with plan sponsors, I've always promised them that I will not be in the stick in the wheels of progress. I will not be the delay uh, of what they need to be done. So, um, you know, I, I think it's important for plan sponsors to not get in the way of plan providers doing the job. So, you know, when it comes to the TPA, the 401k plan sponsor needs to provide all requested information and make sure that the information is correct. You know, I have an expression when it comes to the census information, garbage in, garbage out. You provide incorrect information to the TPA. Don't be surprised that the testing comes back incorrect as well. It happens. You know, if a plan sponsor provides incorrect information about ownership, uh, dealing with connected companies or, you know, compensation or whatnot, uh, there are going to be compliance testing that's going to be incorrect and they're going to have to be fixed and there may be corrective contributions. Who the heck knows? I've seen it too many times. Plan sponsor gives incorrect information on, on control group uh, information and then, of course, you know, why? Whoa, look, we have a control group here and we didn't cover these employees. That's, that's a big problem. So I think it's important to let plan providers do their job. Financial advisor wants to set up an enrollment education meeting. Don't blow them off. Too many plan sponsors do that. They think that the, the enrollment education meeting is like uh, a visit to the dentist. Um, you know, as for the uh, financial advisor, a plan sponsor can't delay a required fiduciary meeting to review plan investments and shouldn't forget to hold the participant enrollment education meetings. Um, Plan providers are hired to do their job, and it's costly for a plan sponsor to pay people to do their job and stand in the way of doing their job. A plan sponsor has a fiduciary duty to run their plan effectively, and standing in the way of their plan providers is violating their duty of prudence. Last but not least, complimenting plan providers on a good job. People don't do that, um, and I understand why, uh, because they're supposed to do a good job, right? Uh, I remember um, Robin Quivers from the Howard Center Show said that Sully wasn't a hero on Flight 1549, U.S. Airways. I remember working that day and it coming over the internet that the plane crashed in the Hudson. And you're worried about how many fatalities. And once I saw the uh, once I saw that people were coming off the plane uh, off the side, I knew that, you know, it looked like there were not going to be any fatalities. And I lived, I lived, I worked by Herald Square. So I heard the trucks coming for the emergency down uh, 34th Street to get to the west side. And, uh, you know, Robin Quiver said, well, you know, he's not a hero. He's doing his job. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, so too many times plane crashes happen because the pilot did do their job. They didn't do their job effectively. And, you know, pilot error, some unfortunately, sometimes comes into play. And, and Sully, you know, knew that uh, he couldn't make it back to LaGuardia or, or go to Teterboro. He had to land in the Hudson. And as a glider and pilot, he, he did it and whatnot. You know, plan providers, for the most part, do a very good job. Yet they will always get more complaints than compliments. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, and, and, you know, I, I told my wife yesterday, I'm just terrible at compliments. I, I, 
and I, I think it probably results to the fact when I was a kid, I didn't get many compliments. Everything was like a backhanded insult. It would be like, well, you know, I'm really doing well in this new in television auto racing game. I'm improving every day. And my father would say, well, you know, I wish you could improve on Hebrew. It was always like some sort of backhanded insult. It's like, okay, that's great. Um, you know, if my daughter tells me she's doing well at a, at a video game and whatnot, I'm not going to say, well, you should be doing better in engineering. And, and she should. She knows that. But, you know, uh, I'm terrible at compliments. And I think most plane sponsors are as well. Um, you know, most plane sponsors won't compliment a plane provider, again, because they think that's, you know, uh, they think that's their job. You know, you got to do a good job. And they will only complain when something goes wrong. Um, you know, I've had situations where I actually had a go-between between my client and a TPA, where the TPA is even getting blamed for, you know, something that's not even the TPA's responsibility. Um I, you know, it could be a control group situation. I, I had a TPA ass control group situation and the plant sponsor went ballistic. Oh, what do they need to know this? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? It's their job. Um, TPAs, you know, like I said, they do a bulk of the work and they get all the complaints. And, uh, you know, uh, they again, they rarely get complimented because, you know, they have that idea, the plane sponsor have that idea in that he their head that, you know, these are, you know, things that the TPA is supposed to do. But I really think that, you know, a TPA once in a while, a financial advisor once in a while, uh, they need to be complimented, especially when they go beyond what they're supposed to do. I've, I've seen it too many times. Oh, can you please do this? Can you please handle that? Uh, no, you know, no charge, whatnot. They get it for free. And still, they won't compliment the plant sponsors. Still, won't compliment the plant providers. And I think you know, giving compliments. You know, I'm a work in progress, like you know, like most things. And um, you know, I'll try to be better at giving compliments. And um, I think plant sponsors need to do as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of that 4K podcast. Again, go to that 4K site.com for information on all our events, and come back next week for another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. Thanks. Bye.